Happy Easter. He is risen. You guys know, okay, so there's a, there's a thing, there's a tradition, right? Some of you guys don't know this, but there's a deal that you say on Easter, Easter time is we say, he is risen, and someone responds with, he is risen indeed. Let's try that, right? You guys learned something new in church today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hey, there we go. That's good. Are you guys excited for Easter? It's here. It's today. You guys are all dressed up in your pastels and your spring colors and all the Easter t- traditions, you know that we buy and consume more candy at this time of year than any other holiday except Halloween, that we have turned whatever Resurrection Sunday is, turned it into a time when we like to eat sweets. Yeah, isn't it weird? How many of you guys are happy that Easter's here because the peeps are back? Who's excited about the peeps? Here's, what, here's an interesting fact that I learned in the other services. There's more people that dislike peeps than there are peeps. Who dislikes the peeps? Oh, see? You peep haters. <laughs> How many of you, you're excited because the magic word we're looking for today is chocolate? All right. right? How about the new Reese's eggs? It's the peanut butter cup eggs. Those things are good too, right? How about um, dyeing eggs? You guys like to dye eggs with your kids and stuff? Sabrina liked it so much she dyed her hair. Did you guys see that on stage? She's ready for Easter. I love Sabrina's hair. The, the creative team that we have here, man, they're always just thinking outside the box, running their own style. Pastor Trevor, good to have him back. He had some new jeans on. Did you guys see those? Ready for jeggings for Jesus? Amen to that. We're enjoying Easter. Um, it's going to be a good one. How many of you guys love the deviled eggs? Who's a fan of the deviled eggs? In my house at Easter time, my, my mom made them every year because we loved them but she couldn't call them devil eggs, so they were angel eggs, right? Because we don't speak of the devil, you know? Like we, we don't do that. Anyways, how many of you guys, let's be honest, how many of you guys are excited for Jesus? Come on, make some noise. That's what we're here for, amen. So anyways, I wanna show you guys a really quick video that just kind of reminds us of, of the story of what Easter is really all about, the resurrection story and what it does for us. So take a look at the screens, if you would, right now. Our story is Adam and Eve's story. We were hiding in the garden, making excuses for our sin, unable to cover up our shame. Our story is Jonah's story. We were running from God, denying our calling, surrounded by a raging sea. Our story is a prodigal son story. We were wasting our blessings, lost in our failures, too afraid to return home. Our story is Peter's story. We were unbelieving, full of fear and doubt, our faith slowly sinking beneath the waves. But that is not the end of our story. We are all longing to be restored. We want to stop running. We want to be found. We want to believe, and we are crying out for a savior. So God stepped in, into a broken world, into human form, into our very lives. God stepped into our mess, into our sin, into our failure, our fear, our doubt. stepped into death and the door shut behind him. 
And then he arose and left it all in the grave. He wiped clean our story and started writing a new one. One without shame, without fear, without death. A story full of love and forgiveness. A story of redemption and restoration. It's our life story. It's His story. It's a resurrection story. How good was that? Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Thank you, Tate. Well, I'm Pastor Carl, and on behalf of Anchor Church, all of you guys joining us here today, thanks for joining us. Thanks for all of you that are out there in the courtyard right now for putting up with not finding seats in here. But guess what? You guys get the limited access, unlimited access to the free coffee that's out there. Everybody else in here, you're stuck in here. You can have as much coffee as you want out there in the courtyard. Thank you for joining us. Those of you guys tuning in online, today's a busy day for you, but you took the time to watch online the services. We're just blessed to be uh, with you here on this resurrection story. But what a good story that is, right? It's the story of hope. It's the story of salvation. It's the story 2,000 years ago of a bunch of friends and followers of this guy named Jesus that they are going, man, we've been hanging out with him for three years. He looks like he really is the Messiah that all of our prophecies have talked about for hundreds of years. He looks like he could actually be the son of God come to earth, the one that's going to restore righteousness, the one that's going to save us. And in their heads, they're thinking conquering king, overthrow the Roman government that, was, that they were under their oppression at the time. They're thinking new life and all of this. They've been following this guy. He's teaching them new ways to relate to God that isn't based on the law and sacrifice anymore. It's about a relationship with a loving heavenly father. And it's just, it's just twisting their minds and blowing them out of the water going, is, really, is God really personal like that? And Jesus not only is speaking new words to them, he's backing it up with miracles. He's raising people from the dead. No one's done that before. He's feeding people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish, multiplying that amongst thousands of people. How did that happen? People who are blind can see again. He's, just, he's delivering people from demonic spiritual stuff. It's blowing their minds, but here's the deal. His followers had just watched him get crucified and laid in the tomb on a Friday. And their worlds were crushed. They thought it was all over. They thought this was the guy, but what happened? And all of Friday night, they're bummed. They're hurting. They, they're in despair. They gave up. They, they couldn't see what was happening. Even though Jesus said this had to happen, he was coming back, they didn't get it. All day Saturday, all Saturday night, they're just, they're crushed. They're hurt. They're heartbroken. Early Sunday morning, though, they walk up to his tomb where they had saw his body being laid on Friday and the tomb was empty and the grave was empty and it changed their world forever. It changed our world forever. It affected everything forever. So let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, today, this Sunday, is a remarkable testimony and time to remember that we are celebrating the risen king and that Jesus changed everything and today is a time to celebrate and party. Amen? Amen. Today is a day, like, can we just do this for, for, just for the sake of it? We got to get in the right mood here, and I, I'm sorry to do this, but if you can't do this in church on Resurrection Sunday, when can you do this? On the count of three, I want everybody in here to join me. On the count of three, with a good old, solid, loud, traditional Hawaiian cheer. You guys know what I'm talking about. Come on. One, two, three. Woo! There it is. Come on. Let's wrap it up for Jesus today. 
The chihu. It's, it's, we love it. It's in our tradition. It's in our culture. I don't know where it came from. If you're new to the islands, you're military here. You're going, what just happened? It is our way of saying yay. Right? I don't know. It's like we celebrate with the chihu. So if you can't chihu for Jesus in church on any other day than resurrection, I don't know when you can chihu, right? We got it. Today is a party. I just want you to be in that. Here's the deal. I don't ever want the Easter story to get old. I want to always be excited about it. I don't want to lose, as the Bible says, the joy of my salvation. I want to always recognize what Jesus did when he went to the cross and him busting out of the grave and making all things new, giving life to us. I want to remember that every single day. Now, here's the problem is sometimes I, I go to the Easter story every year and I think, oh, same old thing. I know how it all ends. I read the story so many times. And I always pray, God, give me new insight. Teach me something new about the Easter story. What's the new angle? What do you want me to, to say to the church to, to keep it fresh for everybody? And I felt like as we were leaning into it, me and some of the other staff pastors, what's the word that God has for us? I was reading in scripture and there's this one point, this one thought that came across. And I, I read it as I was reading the Easter story in John 13, 1. And it says, before the Passover, before the arrest, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus, before everything happened, it says in John 13, 1, that Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. In other words, Jesus was coming. He was about to accomplish his task. He taught us about Jesus. He was to die on the cross for our sins, to raise again, proving he has power over death and guilt and sin and shame and all that in our lives as well. And then he was going to go back up to return to the Father. And I just thought that this is the main point I wanted to talk about. This is what Jesus was telling me is that Jesus was coming home. He was on his way home, mission complete. Jesus was coming home so that he could make a way for us to come home to God as well. And that's what I want to focus on on this Easter Sunday is that the resurrection story and all that it meant was Jesus was on his way home. Mission accomplished, task complete. I'm on my way home to return to the Father. But in doing all that he did, he made a way for us to come home to God. What does that mean to come home? Well, it means that ultimately when we die, we get to have an eternal home with him in heaven. But really, it's more of a spiritual sense of right now and the here and now that he made available through the death and resurrection, us to come home into a relationship with God, into God's house, into his plans for our life, into a life of blessing and a life of him cleaning us up and making us better, a life of, of doing our life together with the body of Christ, with other Christians and having that to be kind of like just a community for us to take advantage of. And so I want to camp out a little bit this morning on the idea of home and how good does it feel, think about this, how good does it feel when you've been away to come back home? When you've been away, think about it, maybe, maybe you've, you've been on a business trip or even on a vacation and the vacation is fun, but there's no place like coming home. And it could be that you're, you've been in the hospital for a length of time period where you're just getting healed up and hospital food and hospital, all of that stuff, it's not fun. But when you finally get to come home, what a great feeling. Even, even in the afternoons when I come home after work, it's just a good place to come home. When I was in college, I went to college in like 1991 in Southern California and I remember like uh, taking advantage of everything in Southern California. There's waves in California too. You got to put on wetsuits. And I remember just finding all the new beaches and all the cool stuff. But there's no place like coming home for the summer, for Christmas, and coming back into Hawaiian waters, right? And there's, a, oh, there's no place like home. And even to this day, my friends took me on the marine base the other day to go surf. And I have so many memories growing up 
as a kid in Marine Base, I can remember waves and barrels that I had just like this in my head still. I can remember the friends and the fellowship, the good times that I had out at the, that base. The times when I hit my board and all the different holes and dings I put in my head and my face because of it. I can remember the time surfing, trying to impress the girls on the beach. And man, there's no place like home. So even now, the other day when my friend took me on base, the waves were terrible. And he goes, oh, it's pretty bad. We can go in whenever you want. I said, no way. There's no place like home. I want to be out here. I don't care what the waves are like. It's just that feeling. Think about the, the feeling that you get when you're out traveling in the mainland. And what we miss most, I think, about Hawaii is oftentimes for, for me, maybe for you as well, local food. Anybody? You miss local food. There's times when you're out traveling and you just get a craving and a hungering for one of these guys. Anybody? Come on. <laughs> Nothing like the spam musubi, right? There's no place like home. You bite into that. You're just like, thank you, Jesus. You know, you go to Japan, the inventors of musubi and everything, and you take them a spam musubi, and they're like, they think it's really cool. They take one bite, and they're like, ah, no, thank you, right? <laughs> Nobody gets spam like Hawaii people, right? There's no place like home that, that man, and they're just coming home for me every single day, and, and think about the feeling that you get when you're stressed out at work, and you get to come home to your family. Here's a picture of my family. On a rare occasion where we're all dressed up and cleaned up, which probably only happens at Christmas and Easter, there's a, this is what I get to come home to every single day. And it just, it just warms my heart. Now, they're not there greeting me with a kiss at the door and all perfect and all that. Well, oftentimes, they're on their iPods and they're doing their homework and everything. But it's a good feeling to come home, think about this, to familiarity, familiarity, familiar, familiarity. <laughs> a feeling that you get when you know you're in the place where you belong, right? When you come into that place of safety, security, the sights, the sounds, the smells, like this is home, I'm safe. People accept me for who I am. They don't judge me. I can walk around dressed like whatever, bedhead. They don't care. I'm loved. And see, I believe that Jesus went to the cross and resurrected from the grave so that he could make a way for us to come home to the Father, that we could feel comfortable walking around this planet knowing that we're loved that God's got us, and that we're full of mistakes and everything, but God's here to help us, and he's on our side. And So I want to talk about what it is to have a home in God today, and the question I ask myself and you guys is, are, are you living in the home that, that Jesus made possible because of Resurrection Sunday, or are you somewhat on the outside looking in and wanting what's in there? Well, I want you to know that God wants you to come into his house and come into a life with him, and so there's a story that Jesus tells, and I, I love this story, Jesus himself told the story that's actually comparing us to a son. There's a famous son he talked about in scripture called the prodigal son. It was in that video mentioned in there. And Jesus tells this story, and here he said, here's what it's like for people that are outside of the home of God to be coming into the presence of God and what that looks like. And it's a story of two sons, actually. They're, they're young, they're they're not little kids. They're not married yet. It doesn't mention their wives, but there's these two sons that were living with their father, and their father was a rich man, and someday the father was going to die. And what happens in Jewish culture and society is the father dies, and he leaves an inheritance to his boys. Now, firstborn son gets two-thirds of the inheritance, and the second son would get about one-third of the inheritance because the firstborn was more special, and he had to carry on the name and everything like that. So, but the younger son, the younger son said, Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want everything that you have, and I want it now. I want my inheritance, and I'm not going to stick around. It was super disrespectful, dishonoring. He just wanted it. He was greedy. He was arrogant. For whatever reason, the father said, man, the choice is yours. I love you, and I'm going to give you what you, you got coming your way. And so the younger son took all of the money, and he traveled to a far-off land 
which in your head maybe you could think Las Vegas. He went off to Vegas, and the story says, Jesus tells, he blew all of his money, wine, women, song, who knows what he blew it on, but he wasted all of his money and his inheritance on wild living. He was a party boy. He partied it up. But it says the land he was living in, a famine came, meaning there was no food, and it was hard for people to get by. So he already was broke, and he didn't have any food to eat. So what he was doing was hanging out with pigs, eating the stuff that the pigs were eating, that that looked good to him because he just had no food. Now, you need to remember that he was a Jewish man, meaning that Jews had no contact with pigs. You couldn't eat, I mean, it's going to break your heart, you couldn't eat bacon if you're a Jewish man in the Old Testament, right? Like pigs were unclean, unclean animal. Here he is hanging out with pigs, eating the pig's food. Finally comes to his senses one day and he goes, you know what? If I was just home, if I could just get back home. I know I don't have any rights as the son anymore because I've blown it with my dad and I'm just, I'm worthless but maybe my dad would hire me on as a servant, as a slave. And I know that in my dad's house, even the slaves eat well. Even the hired hands eat well, if I could just get back home. And so he decides to do the ultimate walk of shame. From the faraway lands, he comes walking back, back home, to see if he could get back in to that home that he knows is good. And so we pick up the story in Luke 15, verse 20, where it says, so he returned home to his father. This is one of the greatest scenes in all of the Bible. So while he was still a long way off walking home, his father saw him. He saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. You guys need to know this, that Jewish man, men back in the day, especially if you're, you're someone of, of, of high stature, you don't run. Running is like reserved for slaves or someone else. Someone else can run for you. It wasn't a respected thing for you to have to run. Plus, it meant that you'd have to pull up your robe and show your ankles, which back in the day was like, oh, that's disrespectful, that's dishonorable. Men don't do that thing. But here's this man that saw his son coming, and it says, with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. He, his son said to him, Father, I know what I've done. I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father just ignored everything, and he said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on my son. Get a ring for his finger and his sandals for his feet, Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. This to me is like one of those things you could make a movie of, right? In scripture, I just look at this verse right here in the Bible. I go, this is such an awesome inspirational movie moment. Like cue the music, the Braveheart. Like cool, cool bagpipes or something going on. And you see this, I see this, I read this and I'm just thinking, slow motion, the dad's out there every morning with his cup of coffee looking for his son to return. He's just cruising, slow motion, the sun glinting off his hair or something, right? And he's just looking, he's searching. And all of a sudden he's my son. <laughs> and he, hurt, he just kind of hooks up his skirt or his robes or whatever. <laughs> and tears are coming down his eyes. You know, he's just, my son. Slow motion. And the son sees him coming. The son's like, head is down, right? He's like, oh, man, I'm a disgrace. I'm nothing. He sees the dad and he cringes for a minute because he doesn't know what he's going to get. He doesn't know if dad's going to be like, you idiot, you're done, right? He sees dad coming, ah, not sure what to think because dad's got a weird look on his face. And what does the dad do? Open arms. He just grabs his son and just holds him, hugs him, kisses him, 
just falls at his feet and they embrace. Who knows how long they embrace? Probably like 20 minutes. Yeah, right? And it's this incredible, the, the music crescendos and explosions are going off and the, the whole thing is just like, yeah, this moment. But that is the message of the cross and the resurrection is our loving and compassionate father who came running after us. Now, don't mix Christianity up with all the other religions where people are trying to do everything they can to please some big holy entity out there that hopefully they could have penance and peace and nirvana or whatever. That, that's not Christianity. Christianity is this picture that Jesus painted for us. In the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it was a loving, compassionate father that's coming running after you and me. And he's going, it's not you trying to reach out to me. It's me coming after you because I just want to love you and I want to bring you into my house. And all of, all of everything that the, the son was thinking, the guilt, the shame, he just goes, I don't even care. Just come home. Just come home to me. And see, we're that son in the story that Jesus is trying to tell. And that's a message of the cross is God's trying to bring us home. And so there's a couple things that I see in this story that are, that are a result of the resurrection. And a couple things that I see that we need to do to get into the house of God and to live at home with him forever. And the first one is simply this, is that you need to accept the love of the Father. You just need to know that, plain and simple, is you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't, live to, I don't deserve to live in God's house. I don't deserve all the blessing that he wants to bestow in my life. But the first thing I need to get is I need to let God love me and clean me up. And that's what God's asking of you. Just let him love you and clean you up. See, the son came home. He's like, but, but dad, I did this and I blew your money and I did that. And the father's just going, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even care. As long as you're coming to me and you know that you did wrong, just come home with me. I want to forgive all of that junk. You know, your past, your shame, your guilt, the stuff that you've done. Like, would you just come home with me? Just let me love you. I'm going to clean you up. Don't worry about that. But, but I've been hurt, dad. I've been this and that. You know, I'm going to help you heal that pain. I know the stuff that you're going through. I'm just here to love you if you would just come home. See, that's the love of the Father. He wants to give you a new identity. Here's the, the son going, I'm, I'm a screw up. All I deserve to be is a slave. And God goes, no, 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 don't even talk about that. Here's your new identity. I'm going to put a ring on your finger. I'm going to put robes over you. I'm going to put sandals on your feet. I'm going to throw a feast for you. You're welcome. Basically what God is saying to us, like the, son, the father in the story to his son is, all that is mine is yours if you just come home to me. If you enter into a relationship with God, acknowledging what Easter is really all about, God literally is just going, I want to bless you. I got so much good stuff for you. I look at it like this. When God says, all I, I have, all of what I have is mine, is yours, it's like this. How many of you men in here, your dads in your house, or you're married, and you guys have a special chair that looks like this? Anybody in here? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, you know it's dad's recliner. Come on, you don't want to say it. Like your wife's right there too, but you secretly inside, you're like, but it is mine, right? It's mine. Well, here's the deal with God is, God is saying, like, yep, that's my chair. But when you come home with me, full access to dad's recliner. Full access to just say, yep. And not only that, the holy grail, you get to hold the remote. <laughs> How many of you guys are like, that would never happen in my house. I could never be allowed to do that. Well, here's your heavenly father going, I love you this much. What's mine is yours. You get everything that I have. See, the first thing that's really hard for a lot of us is to be like that son and to accept the love that God has for us. You're your own worst enemy because every day you go like, nah, there's no way that God could love me. There's no way he could do anything else for me. Like, I want to know him and stuff. Some of you guys are surprised that you made it into church today and the roof didn't blow off and the walls didn't come down because of your sin and where you've been. You're surprised that you even made it into the house of God today. And let's be honest, some of us around you, we're pretty surprised that you're here as well. Like, oh, that, that guy? 
I, I know that guy, right? But here's the story of God. The story of God is he's not surprised you're here today. In fact, every single one of us was like that son coming home at one point. And God is going, just never mind all that stuff. You have full access to everything that I got. But your first step is just let me love you. And the second thing that I see is so important is, is simply this, is that not only do we need to accept all that God's giving us, but we can actually take our seat and take our place. Well, what am I saying by that? Well, it's this. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, the psalmist is speaking to God, and he goes, God, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You know what that saying is? That God has set the table in his house with his family, and he's reserved a seat for you at his table. He's saying, come home, I've got a, I've got a feast prepared for you. There's a seat at my table that's got your name on it. In other words, there's a place in my family. So not only are you going to get all the blessings of the God saying all this mine is yours, but guess what? When you come home to God, you get to take advantage of being in a family. I love that it says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Because what it's saying is, the enemies might still be there. The problems in your life still might be there. The hard situations might still be there. But guess what? You're part of a family now. You got backup. You're part of the family of God. When you say yes to him, you come home. You got brothers and sisters. You mess with me, you mess with my family. You guys know what I'm saying? That's what God is telling us is take a seat at the table because when you come to the table, when you take a seat in God's family, there's two things that I know about family. One of them is that you have family rights. Think about this. You have family rights. All the goodness and all the, the blessing of having brothers and sisters and everything in the family is yours. But secondly, you also have family responsibilities. So when he says come in and feast, it's that you have the right, like my, my son, he's family to me, right? So when he comes home from school or something, he doesn't have to ring the doorbell and like, uh, I wonder if my dad will let me in today. Hello, is anybody home? Like, if you're family, what do you do? You walk right in, right? And if you have friends that have become family, you've given them the front door rights that basically say, you can just walk in, help yourself, right? You don't need, you might catch me in my underwear, but it's good, we're family. Just come on inside, right? And what's in the fridge and in the pantry? Yeah, it might be so-and-so's leftover cookies or whatever, but you can go ahead and eat it. The other day I went to my, to my brother-in-law's house on the North Shore and, and we we're eating dinner and we were cruising and he offers me, he goes, Captain, what do you want to drink? Uh, Captain's by nickname. He, he goes, what do you want to drink? I got whatever, I got juice, I got water, I got some Arizona iced tea. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. As soon as he said, I got some Arizona iced tea, my nephew, 13 years old, he's like this, Dad, no, not the iced tea the iced tea. It's for me, right? And so his mom, my sister-in-law goes, hey, buddy, you know what? Uncle Carl's family, he can have whatever he wants. And I was like, no, it's a, well, I come to think of it, actually, I am family. I'm going to go ahead and take that family privilege, and I'm going to drink your iced tea, right? <laughs> See, here's the deal. When you come into family, you have all the blessings of eating the feast together with all that people want to bring to you in your life. The family of God, man, the conversation, the life that happens around the table is you come into a community of people that are going to share with you your wins and your losses. They're not only going to celebrate and cheer you on when you are growing and good things are happening in your life, but they're also going to grieve with you and you're going to walk through those dark valleys of life with you. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that keep pushing me closer to God. You know what that is? That's family. That's God's house at work family loving people but secondary to the family rights that you get are the family responsibilities sure enjoy the feast but you got to help with the dishes too you know what i'm saying it's like you come to receive something from the family of god when you're in the house of god but you also some of you need to know this you have something to give there's other family members that need what you bring to the table your gifts your experiences your ups and your downs some of the valleys some of the scars that you have 
are life lessons, and they're going to speak life into people's lives. So we got to understand that any healthy family, there's everyone is blessed, but everyone is also needed. Amen? And that's what you get when you come into the family, because this is what the story that Jesus told talks about. It says, we're not hired hands, we're not servants, we are sons and daughters of the house. And as sons and daughters and as family, we're committed to each other and we love each other and we share our stories and we share what we can to be a blessing as much as we receive. I want to show you guys a testimony video right now of a friend of mine that did exactly what we're talking about here today. He, he learned to fully accept the love of the father in his life and then he got involved with the family and he found his place and he's sharing his story here today just to kind of be an inspiration to you to see what the prodigal son story is all about, what Jesus did at, resu- at the resurrection made possible in our lives. Would you guys take a look at the screens and listen to my friend Sean Briley? I was raised by my single mother, and um, I grew up not having a father. My father was in prison my whole life. When I was really young, uh, the environment, my home life that I was brought up in was wasn't uh, too wholesome and wasn't too healthy so my best friend's parents were Christians and from an early age I I can remember maybe six or seven them taking me to Sunday school they took me in under their wing and they they fed me and gave me a lot of the love that I wasn't getting at home I can remember really accepting the Lord into my life and into my heart when I was just a couple months before my 18th birthday. Now I was already making really good money and I was traveling around the world and surfing the best waves in the world and uh, being a pro surfer. And, and I was on fire for the Lord. You know, I was going to church and Bible studies and the thing that was hard was at the time it was being a professional athlete and living out your dream and making good money and traveling around the world and living your dream. It's, it's um. It's hard because you have a lot of things coming at you and that, that are of the world. And I, I ended up succumbing to it a few years later. Me being the extremist that I am, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I was involved with uh, gambling and, and partying and alcohol and hustling and illicit activities. And um, I've always been drawn to risk. And one thing, when I was surfing big waves, I almost died three or four times. So by doing a bunch of crazy stuff illegally, it was nothing to me. I'd already risked my life. I'd already faced death. So risking five or 10 years in prison or whatever, this hustle, this money, it wasn't, it was, it was nothing to me. You know, I, I wasn't really scared of it. I ended up throwing my career away and I ended up basically homeless, living on my friend's couch in California and lost everything. You know, by the time I was 27 years old, I had gained everything, you know, and then lost it all twice. So about four years ago, I, I started to go back to church. I never lost my faith through everything that I had done, everything, every place that I had gone, I knew that I believed in God and I knew that he loved me. But, but really what happened was he started, he started to draw me home and using my wife and my children. They started going to church and I started to see changes in their life. And then I was like, 
all right, I gotta go check this out. And I went to the church and I was like, wow, God's presence is in this church and that's a breath of fresh air, <laughs> you know? So I kept going. I didn't put down, I was still hustling, I was still doing my stuff. I was like, all right, God, you know what? You want me to go here? No matter what, Lord, I'm gonna go and be obedient to no matter what. I'm not hiding anything from you, Lord. You know, I'm not one to think that I'm hiding my sin from God Almighty. It's just not my game, it's not how I am. And I, I kept going and it got to the point, you know, where I was just like, I knew I couldn't change my own heart. God, change my heart, change my heart. Come in and change, have your way with me. And um, he did, and he's faithful, but he did it in his time and he did it in his way. I was the prodigal son on the outside of the house and I knew that they were inside having a feast and the Lord was there with my family and they were feasting and it was all good and I sat on the outside and those stairs and waited and I waited and I waited. And I said, Lord, if you can just give me one opportunity, let me come home and repent. And I believe that real true repentance is a gift from God. And then it's not just one day and one man after being involved in a lot of sin for a lot of deep sin for a lot of times just wakes up and consciously goes, oh, I'm gonna repent. It doesn't work like that. But I waited and he opened the door and I went and I repented. Truly repented with every single cell in my body. It broke my heart when I found out that and I realized that he paid the price and that all of my sin was heaped upon him. It broke my heart, but that's the truth. And he came in and not only set me free, but it overflowed and he set my wife free and he set my children free and he cleansed them and I was speaking words of life into them and the Holy Spirit was powerful and it overflowed into my family. I had no idea. I couldn't, I don't even think I could imagine at the time that that's how God was gonna move through my family. what God has done for me. He wants to do that for other people. He wants to, to bless them. He wants to set them free. He wants to see you flourish and bestow blessings upon you. And, and so one of the ways that he put it on my heart a few months ago was to begin to use social media as a platform and as a tool to start putting pictures of me surfing. I'm in his word every day and he'll put something upon my heart and I'll match it up with this picture and his word goes out there. I used to run in a lot of different circles of people and I know that, that they're, getting, they're getting some of God's word. I'm just the errand boy. I'm just the messenger. Hey, you put it on my heart, Lord. I'm being obedient to you. It's amazing to me that God will take our sin and our greatest mess ups and he can actually work it for our good and he can use that for his kingdom and for his purpose. And that's just mind blowing to me, you know? And I didn't know it at the time, but I've been able to see his word and his faithfulness manifest in my life since then. You know, there's, there's a saying that, that if justice is getting what we deserve, then mercy is not getting what we deserve.
and grace is getting what we don't deserve. And that rings true with me, that he's welcomed me home and just blessed me tremendously. And that's his grace. Our Father's love is greater than our sin. And that's the message of the cross. And he's constantly trying to draw us back home unto himself. Come on, was that good? Yeah. I'm so proud of my brother Sean and his beautiful wife Natasha and their boys and just um, everything that God's doing in their family. He's actually here with us today. And Sean, I'm proud of you, man. I know you're out there. Here's the deal. It's nothing special that he did that we can't do. It's actually what Sean didn't do because he stopped doing all of his own life and he surrendered to Jesus and he let himself come home to the Father. Let me read you this verse in Ephesians 2.19. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, but now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Look, no matter who you are today coming into church, I don't know how you got here. If you came reluctantly, you're forced to be here. You came because you're looking for something. No matter what you've done, Jesus made a way for you to come home to the Father. That's the bottom line. That's what Easter's really all about. That when you come home, you're considered a son and daughter of the house. It means you accept the Father's love. You take your seat at the family table, and the party begins. See, it's up to us to make that decision. But the resurrection, we're faced with the decision that says, Jesus made a way for you to come home to the Father. And if that's what you want to do today, we're going we're gonna to pray here in a minute. I'm just going to ask all of you to close your eyes right now. We're just going to go ahead and pray, just to respect God on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. But it may be that some of you are in need of a real home. Some of us know it. We live in it, and we're going to keep on working on accepting the Father's love and really being a part of the family. And we need to work on that a little bit more to receive the full benefits of the house. But some of us, you're on the outside looking in right now, like my friend Sean up there. Maybe you know of God, but you've never really completely surrendered. Maybe uh, something drew you here to church today and, and something just clicked in you and you kind of get a better glimpse of what the story of Easter is about and the, the heartbeat of God trying to draw you home to himself. And if you're willing and ready right now to take a step towards him, a new step towards Christianity and knowing Jesus in a real way and seeing what he could do with your life, if you're ready at this point right now because you know something in your heart is telling you to take a step towards him right now, I, I want to lead you in a step forward into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do is real simple. I'm going to say a prayer out loud, and I'm going to kind of walk you through a prayer of giving your heart to God and be, be, be coming home to him and all he has planned for you. And I'm going to ask you to not pray it out loud in front of all these people, but to make it the prayer of your heart, the words I'm saying. You would own it, and you'd believe it in your heart, because God is judging you on your heart. 
Sometimes we speak and it's just lip service. But from the heart, I want you to be praying and agreeing with what I say out loud. You pray it quietly in your heart. After service, you can go and confess with your mouth. You can go tell someone, hey, I prayed that prayer in there. But let's take care of the heart issue first. So if you want to say a prayer with me right now that's going to put you in a right place of God and really you're just saying right now, God, I don't even know what it's going to look like, but I want to come home to you and your love for me. You say you're not going to judge me. You're going to forgive me. You're going to help me. I want that right now. And if that's what you want, with every eye closed and head bowed in this room here today, before I start praying, can you do me one favor? I just really need to know who I have the privilege of praying with this morning. If this is your prayer, or maybe you're coming back after a long time. Maybe you knew God, had a relationship with him a long time ago, but you've wandered and you've wandered away from home. And this is your prayer to come back to him. If it's first time or a coming back, Right now, if you're going to pray with me, would you just lift your hand up? Would you just hold your hand up? Don't worry, no one else is looking. I'm looking. Good, I see those hands. And I just want to acknowledge you. So would you hold it up until I acknowledge you? Because it's something to be known and seen. I see you right over here. Praise God, I see you. I see these three right there in this aisle. I see this hand over here. Thank you, Father. I see you. I see you, sister. I see you, brother. Amen. I see someone in the back there. One more. Two, three, four. Come on, anybody else? Keep them up. And just till I see you, just know that I want to acknowledge you. Yes, God sees you. I see you. I see you over there. I see you over there. Some in the back there. Someone in the front right here. I see all of those hands. A couple in the very back right there. Awesome. If you're in the courtyard and you're responding right now, there's people out there that see you. God sees you. If you're at home watching online right now and you're just in your heart, raise your hand in your living room, your bedroom, whatever. God sees you. You're acknowledging it. God's doing something. I see someone else over here. Man, there is a lot. There's hands all across the room. Praise God. Thank you for this. If that was you, go ahead and put your hand down right now. Just make this the prayer of your heart this morning. I'll say it out loud. You just own it in your heart. God, I'm here this morning on this Easter Sunday, sitting in this tent church on the side of a mountain. Lord, and I'm just responding to the call that you're putting in my life. You're telling me right now that you love me and you want me to come home. So God, here I am. First step of faith, I want to come home to you. Lord, I believe that Jesus came and did what he said he did that he actually came down to teach us about you and how to have relationship with you. And then he did the ultimate. He actually died for us, for me, for every person that would put our trust and all of our sin on him. He died for that sin. And then he did what only God could do is he actually defeated death. He rose from the grave on the third day. And in doing so, he put to rest all of our guilt and our shame and our separation from wandering away in this life on our own. So Lord, because of that, Father, I understand that now I have new life in you. Lord, I'm praying right now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to do the things that I can't do for myself in this life to get closer to you. Lord, would you help me to get a Bible and start reading it to understand what you're all about? Lord, plug me into a local church, whether it's this one or any good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, Lord, that, that knows your word and your truth. Lord, help me come into the family of God, be seated at your family table. Lord, I pray that I could have an opportunity to get water baptized as a symbol of dying to my old self and being washed clean and being a new creation in you. Lord, everything that you have for me from the bottom of my heart this moment, this morning, is yes, yes, yes. Thank you for allowing me to come home into a new life with you, not just here on earth all of my days, but in eternity in heaven someday. Thank you for being a good God. Show me what it is to come home to you. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Can we praise God for all those hands that went up this morning? There was a lot of you.